It's time for Talking Tauntauns! Your Star Wars source at AIPTcomics.com Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Talking Tauntauns, the official Star Wars podcast for AIPTcomics.com. I am JJ Travers and I'm joined today, as always, by my two co-hosts, Connor Christensen and Jim Lahane. Connor, you got your hockey jersey on. I know there's hockey playing today, so I know you're probably in a good mood because of that, but how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, as you mentioned, hockey season is back. Uh, the Penguins are off to a not a great start, but uh, they've won three games in a row in this jersey that I'm wearing, um, which, fun fact, this jersey is actually a knockoff that I bought off eBay that I didn't know was a knockoff, and when I brought up to the seller, like, hey, this isn't an authentic jersey, and you told me it was, he refunded me my money and told me to keep it, so free fake jersey from China, you gotta love it, um, but yeah, now, it's been a good uh, week. We'll get to Jim's merchandise that's been on display this morning. Your Schitt's Creek inspired Baby Yoda coffee mug. Yeah, my my baby um, Yoda, who who's wearing the outfit from uh, when she kind of dressed up like the Pope. It's similar outfit. Yes, uh, um, Moira but... Rose, one of the main characters, dressed up as the Pope for her son's wedding <laughs> for reasons no one understands. And so this is the the baby. Um, Grogu dressed up like the Pope with a, a, the a written Baby Yoda underneath it. And Two of it's, my favorite uh, things, Baby Yoda and Moira Rose's accent that makes no sense. Yeah, and so that's my, my late Christmas gift from my wife. Um, she had ordered it and, you know, shipping being what it was and is, um, took like a month to get here. And so uh, that that's my new favorite uh, purchase. Well, the, I, I am also the coffee mug I'm using is from a late Christmas gift from my little brother, but it is not Star Wars. This is a very deep cut reference to The Last of Us. It is a coffee mug branded with the coffee company that is in The Last of Us universe, and you loot and pillage their stores a bunch. Little shinfo for everybody. I have a Star Wars koozie this morning for my delightful little uh, Spindrift Seltzer. But and then enough, everybody was beverage talk. Yes, enough of beverage talk. Um, so we have an agenda plan today, as we do for every show. Uh, but something that got added on um, yesterday evening is something that um, I wish wasn't on our agenda today. I wish we didn't have to talk about this. Um, I wish this wasn't a reality, but it is. Um, so we'll just get right into it. Uh if you're not familiar with her, Christina Ariel is um, the new host of the Star Wars, uh, the High Republic show that's going to be on YouTube. Uh, and it's really exciting, great announcement. Uh, I've personally seen her work before uh, on Critical Role, which I randomly got into when I started being a, a DM in D&D for my friends. Uh, and she's great. I was really excited about it. I was like, stoked, cool, that's awesome. And I didn't think anything else of it. And then, um, you know, I think yesterday I first saw it trending. And this huge thing uh, was blowing up in the Star Wars community on Twitter and on Reddit. And basically, uh, this site called... I don't even want to give them credit here. But I think it's important that I name them so people know to avoid them. uh, And so that you know how horrible they are. Uh, basically, this site um, called Bounding Into Comics, which is just a garbage website that um, b- 
basically just um, gets people to their site by making um, BS sensational headlines um, to cater to extreme alt-right views within the comic book and pop culture community, including Star Wars. And basically, uh, as this woman was announced, they took issue with this. And they'll say it's because of racism on her part, but really it's because they're racists. So they went and looked through her Twitter history, and they found tweets um, of her calling out people for their white privilege and for uh, being racist and for mistreating people of color. And they basically spun that as she's Christina is racist against white people, which couldn't be further from the truth and is just complete nonsense. But they got, you know, this hate-filled mob, basically uh, this rage-filled internet mob on her, uh, and they just started piling on. And I really can't stress enough how disgusting this is to do to anyone, uh, but it's just, it's so disappointing to see it come out of people that are a part of the Star Wars community. It's it's supposed to be this community that is welcoming um, and inclusive and makes people feel comfortable. I mean, it's supposed to be embracing diversity. And it's just disgusting to see the things that people have said to Christina and the messages they have sent her. I'm not going to repeat any of the things that were said to her because they're awful. Um, but it's no one deserves to be spoken to this way. It's just absolutely disgusting. And it's just really, really disappointing to see this come from people within our community. It. Whenever I see stuff like this, I'm always obviously like sickened like what's been what the the things that have been said to her are absolutely insane like you're you're just an you're an insane person if you're you're sending messages like this to a stranger on the internet but also it makes me think like did we not watch the same movies like how did you how i don't understand how you can be claim to be a fan of this franchise and then act like that and think it's okay like it's did you not pay attention to any of the messages and anything that's been within the franchise of acceptance and peace and love for one another like it i don't understand it and it like like i said it just sickens me and it's i i hate how often we have to talk about terrible 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 star wars fans because i don't think that most star wars fans are bad i actually have most of my interactions with star wars fans are pretty great but like it feels like every couple months now we're going through this like random bout of internet nonsense where a bunch of god awful people hide behind the guise of being fans to do something terrible to somebody who did nothing um so it's just it sucks and i'm i'm exhausted by this type of stuff and and i feel terrible for christina um I was not aware of her before this, but as soon as I saw she was on Critical Role, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, she'll probably be awesome because Critical Role rules. Um, so I just it's it's heartbreaking and and people suck and bounding in the comics is the worst that uh, gee, I could go on about that waste of space for hours. Just get them off the Internet. That's that's all I got. Yeah, as I've seen here and has repeatedly popped up in the past, Star Wars has a white supremacist problem in the fan base. And this is popping up here again. And I don't know how Star Wars itself can 
knock it down, but it needs to be knocked down. Like Star Wars released a statement um, in support of Christina, but I feel like that's not enough because they've like that it keeps coming back up. And Christina herself had posted some of the messages that she has received. And I wish she would not have blacked out the names because these people need to be blasted for the um, I don't want to censor my uh, edit myself. So uh, uh, for the terrible people that these, these people are and I, 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 they need to be driven from the Internet like they they I, I can't I can't stand it. I can't believe that they would do this, especially to a complete stranger. Um, it's uh, I, I just can't. It shows the decency of Christina, though, that even though these people are being horrendous to her, she still at least has the kindness to not, you know, sick a mob of her own on them. Like, she's at least giving them the the, the courtesy of, like, I'm not going to publicly dox you, which is ironic because they would never th- – these type of people would never do the same. That would not be a reciprocal action. Um, it's just – like you said, I – and it goes back to what I was saying. You are right. There is this like very weirdly and terrifying sect of Star Wars fans that are these close-minded bigots. And I don't understand how to get them from, from the fan base because it's like if you watch the movies or participate in the stories at all, you would know people who think like you are the bad guys. You are evil. Like how? So how can you think that way and still be a fan of this franchise? I don't, I don't understand it. Well, I think I mean I guarantee you a large number of these people probably don't even care about Star Wars. It's just there's you know a a group of people that look for any opportunity to be awful to others, um, especially unfortunately uh, people of color, and you know we saw the same thing happen to. Kelly Marie Tran, um, she had to quit social media because of the harassment. And there's different reasons behind those two scenarios. But uh, the problem remains is that white supremacy and racism is not just a Star Wars problem. It is a societal problem and it is rampant. And, you know, this podcast is about Star Wars. It's not about politics. uh, And we try to stay away from that in society. But when it interacts with our community, especially like this, we need to shine a light on it. And it's it's hard. You know, we could sit here for an hour and talk about the problem with social media and the problem with racism in our country. Uh, I don't have a solution. I wish I knew what the solution was. I think, unfortunately, we had a president for the last four years who enabled white supremacists and extremist views and hatred and increased the the amount of people that felt like this and helped make people who believed awful things like this, that it's okay to believe that. And I think, you know, our society, it's going to take a long time to recover from that. But even before him, we had a problem. And I think, you know, part, how we can be part of the solution is to shine a light on it when it happens and tell people that unequivocally that we do not support it. We'll never support it. We support people of color we support Christina, we love Star Wars, we support diversity, and if you're a fan of bounding into comics or treating people like this, you can hit stop right now, you can unsubscribe, our show is not for you, it will never be for you. Uh, I just need to say again that we support Christina, diversity, people of color, being allies, and we love Star Wars, and we, you know, 
we don't want our show to be about politics, but when this stuff pops up, we're going to talk about it because it needs to be talked about. It can't be pushed under the rug. Yeah. I would also like to add that if you've ever sent a message like this or even thought about sending a message like this to somebody that you don't know or even that you do know, which is even worse, actually, probably. Um, yeah. Delete our show. We don't want you here. All right. Um, we're going to move on from this now. This is not the last that we're going to have to talk about topics like this on this show, uh, but we are going to move on now. So thanks for sticking with us so far, guys. All right. Um, to get into an announcement before we get into the rest of our news here, we are going to be launching a show-specific Twitter account. Um, as you know, if you're a regular listener of the show, our podcast is through AIPTcomics.com, and that's where our new episodes get tweeted out of. But AIPT is filled with a lot of fandoms, video games, movies, comics, of course, wrestling, um, so we want to give you guys a Twitter account to follow that's just Star Wars, and that's what our, our new account's going to be for. It's for the show. Um, Jim, Connor, and myself will all be tweeting from it. You can find us at Talking Tauntauns. That's at Talking Tauntauns, just like the show name. Uh, we, please give us a follow. Uh, we're just launching it when this episode drops, so we can use all the support that we can get. We really appreciate it. Uh, and we all love to interact with you guys there. I'm very excited. I finally have somewhere to put all my memes. All right. Let's talk about some news. Your Tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Hello, what have we here? We have a new book announcement that's actually not part of the High Republic, shockingly enough. Um, so there's a new book coming out called Skywalker, A Family at War. It's a biography of sorts. Um, it's by Kristen Baver. So if you're not familiar with her, she's fantastic. Uh, she's host of This Week in Star Wars and an associate editor at StarWars.com. Uh, great person to follow on Twitter if you don't. So this is going to be um, covering the Skywalker saga, but uh, it's a little different from what we talked about last week with Cole Horton. That was kind of an overview of the franchise as a whole within that time period. This is a look at the Skywalker family over that uh, period of time. So if you go to uh, our show notes or StarWars.com, you can find the uh, the announcement for this. Some of the art in it looks pretty awesome. Uh, and as I said, um, Kristen's great. And this is going to be coming through DK uh, in spring 2021. So not that far away at all. I believe it's going to be released on May the 4th. Let me see. It just says spring 2021 in the official release. Um, I thought I read that, that somewhere. I could be wrong. Uh, it's also a in-universe look at the Skywalker family from a, uh, a biographer's point of view. So probably re- this may even be placed post um, Rise of Skywalker because it's including Rey as part of the, the Skywalker lineage. That would be interesting. Um, I don't know if this is a... Amazon's been known to put like placeholder uh, release dates up, but according to Amazon, this is being released on April sixth. That'd be awesome. I uh, when I saw this announcement, um, I I got really excited. I think the prospect of it being in, an in-universe biography makes it that much cooler to me. Um, so I'm I'm really excited for this, and I think it's going to be a, a cool project, a, a cool book to 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 look at and to read. All right. 
Uh, so we have some video game news. Lucasfilm Games has been resurrected and is teaming with Ubisoft to uh, create a new open world Star Wars game. So, yeah, a lot of people are excited about this. A lot of people are not excited about this. Some people <laughs> in the middle. I'm going to let Connor uh, give you guys basically a breakdown of what's going on here. And yeah. wait, before before you go into that, Connor, Lucasfilm Games hasn't actually, the name hasn't been resurrected. Is That's new. It used to be LucasArts. Yeah, it's true. They and But they did have to... There was a Twitter account called Lucasfilms Games that they had to, that Disney had to basically, it's unclear if they bought the rights from that Twitter account, but they did give the the Twitter account a shout out and a thank you for letting them have the name back. So I honestly (laughs) think they had to like purchase the Twitter handle, which I think is hilarious. Um... But yes, Lucasfilms Games is now the official uh, video game publishing arm of Disney, Um, not just for Star Wars, for all Lucasfilm properties. Um, And very quickly after the resurrection of the brand got announced, a new Indiana Jones game was announced. And then the following day, it was announced that uh, Ubisoft, who is uh, is a publisher and a developer um, and has developed a, a variety of games, Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, The Division, Rainbow Six. Um, I could go on and on and on. They're, they're a huge company. Um, they will be making a uh, quote-unquote story-driven open-world Star Wars game, um, which I know probably makes a lot of people excited. But here's the thing. Uh, I'm not excited by this news whatsoever, and I will uh, go into great detail why. Uh, I also wrote two articles about this on AAPT. If anyone wants to go read them, um, you can find them there under the gaming section. One of them is really stupid and is a joke article, but I was very happy with it. Anyway, um, my problem is this. Ubisoft is not an innovative company. Um, Ubisoft, going from people are celebrating this because EA is no longer going to be the exclusive publisher and developer for Star Wars, which honestly probably is good news, although I will say... I think people are forgetting that EA's last two Star Wars releases have been fantastic in, in you know, in, in every way. Um, Jedi Fallen Order, while not my favorite game, was incredibly well received and sold I really incredibly well. It. And yeah, I know. And it just I, got I, a big update, too. Yeah. So, like, they and then after that, they added a ton of more content to Battlefront 2. And Battlefront 2 is a completely different game than what it was when it was released. And yeah, it's, very it, rough launch, but people love it now. It's so it's it, it is still holds up very well. And then they come out with Squadrons, which is shockingly great. I still play Squadrons like 12 hours a week. So we have I mean, I myself have very publicly decried EA, but Credit where credit's due, EA has been on a hot streak when it comes to Star Wars. So, yes, I understand the excitement of thinking, like, oh, EA is no longer going to be the exclusive publisher. But leaving EA behind to go to Ubisoft, or, or excuse me, Ubisoft, is not much of an upgrade, if if an upgrade at all. Um, Ubisoft is mostly known for their incredibly cookie-cutter approach to video games and yearly, yearly releases of games that are barely updated whatsoever um so the fact of the matter is i'm not very excited by this because when you look at it most of ubisoft's games are the same they're all quasi open world action adventure style games with very thin stories and go ahead 
to be fair, um, Assassin's Creed is one of the most popular franchises of all time. And one of my best friends is obsessed with the series and absolutely loves it. So while it may not be everyone's cup of tea, a lot of people really enjoy their style of open world games. And on top of that, um, we don't know what direction they're going to take this game until we get our hands on it. It could be like a whole new formula uh, and with Lucasfilm involved uh, with the development, they might have a very strict vision uh, or a very specific, excuse me, vision that they're looking to have uh, Ubisoft and I believe, is it Massive Games? Massive Massive Games, yeah. Who, yeah, Massive the, Games, the developer that Ubisoft owns. They um, made uh, The Division, both The Division 1 and The Division 2. And I'm, I'm being critical of Ubisoft here, but I also, <laughs> I'm being a little hypocritical because I play every Far Cry game. I find them very fun and enjoyable. I played all the Assassin's Creed games up to Syndicate. Um, I very much enjoy the Ghost Recon franchise. Like, I am a part of the problem because when they release these yearly games, I usually buy them. It's just I usually buy them and then I'm slightly disappointed because they're almost always just a thin, a thinly veiled reskinning of the previous game with maybe one or two new features added. So hopefully, like you said... Hopefully, Lucasfilm has a plan in place and knows what they want. Um, it's just hearing the announcement of a open-world RPGs game from Ubisoft doesn't make me that excited because it's like we get those all the time. What makes me not excited about it is uh, Ubisoft has a very problematic history of uh, harassment of their employees and covering it up. Um which, which Mainly, I detailed in, in one of the articles I wrote. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the problem here is that uh, they are enabling and covering up their employees' harassment of uh, women within their workplace, uh, and there's been no sign of real reconciliation or remorse or taking steps to um, prevent that from happening again. There's been, like, no... They got rid of the people that did it, but like the leadership that enabled it is still there. And and they got rid of those people months after it happened. They only got rid of those people after it got uncovered that they hadn't gotten rid of those people. Yeah, so it's for me it's just very disappointing to see them partner with a company that um kept leadership in place that allowed um their employees to treat people that were in and out of the company this horribly. So, um, you know what, they could turn things around, they could uh, be working internally to prevent this from ever happening again, but I don't know, just from what I've seen, I'm not uh, very impressed, and by not very impressed, I mean I'm uh, hugely disappointed uh, and disgusted with how they've allowed uh, women to be treated there. I Now, the, the one good thing to come out of this... Is that it? Well, I mean, there's a lot of good things to come out of this. I don't want to be all negative, but um, one of the good things to come out of this is that now we we know for sure. Okay, Disney is not renewing the exclusive license with Electronic Arts when it expires in 2023, which is good. I just hope they don't enter into another exclusive agreement. I like the idea that like smaller developers can pitch to Lucasfilm, and we could possibly get a smaller developer working on a game. Um, because that gives smaller developers a chance to shine with an IP that'll really get their name out there. Well, I mean, so, why put all your eggs in one basket when exactly. the gaming industry has just countless talented 
people working in it from you know countless different studios it's just crazy to me that you would want to have one company exclusively making all your games when we see each year all these amazing games coming out from all these different amazing studios indie studios included so um, I think it's very smart on their part to open it up to other studios. Uh, but the future of that uh, remains to be seen. I have one thing to add to that. I find it interesting that EA has an open world Star Wars game actively g- going on right now. Um, the Old Republic is an open world Star Wars game for EA. People forget about that. And it's still being updated. It got an update last year. Like, it is still being actively um, added to. And so the reason that they went to Ubisoft, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. Um, The reason they probably went there is that EA went, we already have this open world. We don't have the resources to do two open world Star Wars games. Um, That would be my guess. Because the Old Republic is an absolutely fantastic game, uh, I have I have not beaten it, but I did play it for quite a bit of time when it first came out. I I did the same when it first came out uh, in what 2012, I want to say. That it's been a while, right. but yeah. They, yeah, they they have been updating it like crazy. Um, I believe that game is responsible for bringing Darth Revan into canon, if I'm not mistaken. Even though the game launched before the Disney buyout, that Pretty sure the game that game is considered canon, though, isn't it? Is it no, not? No, no. Okay, it's I wasn't. Not. I wasn't sure, but either way, um, it's a very enjoyable game. Totally fun playing. Um, it's free to play now too. That's the other thing. Um, but you are right. It's it, it, that was EA's first foray into a uh, open world Star Wars game, and it was made by Bioware. And if you're not a gamer, um, Bioware is a developer who is known for making like some of the greatest story driven RPGs ever. Um. One of them is a little game called Knights of the Old Republic. Ever heard of it? Uh, which Mass which Effect. the Old Republic is a sequel, like a, a, a continuation. continuation. Of? Yeah, yeah. So I guess th- that is one good thing to look at is with 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 Disney. Clear, like I said, clearly moving forward without EA is now you can see developers like Bioware b- brought back into the fold. Even though Bioware, I believe, is technically an EA company. Um, but it, it would, it, I just, I look forward to possibly getting more developers out there. Um, you know, let's get somebody, somebody without the controversy of Ubisoft, somebody beloved by fans who's never done anything wrong somewhere. Like, I don't know, like, like CD project red. He's joking everyone. All right. Uh, that's the place to move on here. So we have some Lego news. Uh, so Lego has unveiled three new toys uh that are launching in march so there is a imperial shuttle that you can get uh a resistance x-wing and a tauntaun from um hoth uh this is a little mini atat versus the tauntaun they're both look looking like they're firing lasers at each other it's really cute and funny uh it's a micro fighter set so the Tauntaun and the ATAT, I, I know immediately when I say Lego and ATAT, people are just like, oh my god, that's going to be massive. It's actually tiny, so don't worry about it. I think the biggest one out of the three is the Imperial Shuttle. Yeah, the uh, Resistance X Wing is for the 4 plus age range, uh, so it's for the youngins. But guys, this put this in here to talk about the Tauntaun. I mean, come on. there's we, We've got a fan at Lego, obviously. 
the the uh, the set itself has 205 pieces which encompasses the the minifigures the tauntaun and the ATAT so clearly this is not a big set and that that tauntaun is looking gnarly <laughs> yeah for uh 20 bucks you can have an official show mascot i cannot wait to get this like this is an instant buy um yeah this is this is amazing um and also, have you have you guys gotten these little microfighter sets before? No, I I they may have come. I I had gotten the Lego Advent calendars for a couple of years, and I feel like they had a couple of those like ten, little like literally about two to three inches big um cut figures. Yeah, so these these microfighter sets they're usually um about the size of a tennis ball, or at least like the circumference of a tennis ball, um. But they're they're really cool little sets. They um they're they're nice like little desk ornaments. Like I think I have a couple on my desk at work. Um, which with how long it's been since I've been to my desk at work, it's probably caked in dust. Um, but yeah, they're they're fun little sets. They they're quick builds. Um, they don't usually come in two packs like this. Like this is uh kind of rare to get get both two two different types of sets in one. Uh, but. Yeah, they're they're fun, and I will one hundred and ten percent be buying this the day it comes out and uh, showcasing a tauntaun um, on my desk at all times. I love it. My favorite part is it's called ATAT versus tauntaun because if you put those two things in the movie, one's not going to last very long. <laughs> Let's just say one of them's made of steel, and the other one is made of soft flesh and bones, and it smells terrible on the inside. Of course, indeed. They all do. Um, all right. We've got some High Republic news for you guys today. So there was quite a few new um, announcements for the High Republic publishing initiative since the last time we talked about it on the show. Uh, but we haven't gotten to cover it because uh, we've been doing some awesome interviews, which if you haven't heard, uh, you can go back. Our, our past two episodes, we spoke with Cole Horton. Uh, who's done a number of Star Wars books. He did three in 2020, the latest being the Star Wars book. And the episode before that, we talked to Mr. Will Sliney, who uh, is an amazing artist. And um, I think his most recent Star Wars book, I could be wrong on this, was The Rise of Kylo Ren, which uh, is a four-issue miniseries. It's, you haven't checked it out. It's really cool. It basically gives you a, a big look into how Ben Solo became Kylo Ren. Uh, so check those out. All right, so uh, we've got some High Republic news. There's a lot of stuff, as I said, and we're going to start off by having Jim and Connor talk to us a little bit about the this new um, short series that they've released. It's basically going to break down uh, new characters for you and go more in-depth from what we've seen thus far on them. And the first one they started with, I believe, is a young Jedi named uh, Vernestra Rowe. Yeah, so far, as of this recording, which is the, the 24th, of January, they've released two. Um, Avar Chris is the the second one that came out, I think, yesterday. And what they are is that they're really cool animations um, that are meant to set up the characters for the the book series, the comic series, and um, so that the readers can kind of get a little bit of a background on them. And by little bit of background, that's really what they give you. Like it's at most a couple sentences after you like remove the um kind of add-ons like here's the 
the entry, the opening that we made for all these. Here's the exit that we made for all these. Um, you move all that, you're dealing with maybe something that's 30 seconds long, kind of giving a, a generalized view. I when they had listed these as giving you a background, give find showing you where the characters had come from. I was really hoping for like a like a really animated short or something to that effect, giving you more of a background that we don't find out in the books. But at most, even the they have our Chris one who is featured prominently in the Light of the Jedi. You don't find out any new information about her through these digital short or her digital short. And like at most, it it's like a couple lines. Yeah, they're they were billed as like these deep dives into these characters, but as Jim said, they're really not. Um, it is they're they're cool though. So I would still recommend watching them. They're like a minute and a half each. They're very short. They're very cool animation. Um, it's nice to get visualizations of some of the things that are talked about in the novels. Um, because you got to remember with with the light of the Jedi, everything that's brought up, you don't really have a reference point for. You do for certain species, obviously, like if they bring up an Ithorian, you know what an Ithorian looks like. But when it comes to like ships and stuff and characters, you don't know what they look like. They've never been on screen before and we've never seen them before. So it's nice to put a face to the names. Um so there's that and, and like Jim said, they're beautifully animated and they're really cool to look at. It's just a pretty light on information. And doing one on Avar Chris is weird because Avar Chris is basically the protagonist of the Light of the Jedi and it's like we know a lot about her we're good <laughs> I add on to that if you want to get a better visualization blah, better visualization of the first part of the Light of the Jedi I actually really really recommend a book called The Great Jedi Rescue one it includes stickers sold and besides that besides anything includes stickers would get me to buy it um, it includes it's basically a visualization of the part one of the light of the Jedi with uh, the, the the crash of the uh, that starts everything off and um, the the rescue of everything from there My, yeah mild spoilers everybody uh, it's ah, that's first chapter that's it's based yeah that's the first chapter which is um, online and it was released like six months ago yeah yeah and so, like, this is, I, I recommend reading The Light of the Jedi and then reading this, because, like, if you're wondering what the ships look like, or even reading this concurrently, um, the ships look like the Jedi, what do the Jedi look like, and that sort of thing. Like, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, like, it took me 10 minutes to read it, but it gives you a good, a good eye candy. I, if I recall correctly, it's also $5. It's pretty cheap, because I, I ordered... Um, 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 Into the Dark, which is an upcoming young adult novel starring Wreath Silas. Very excited for that. Written by Claudia Gray. So I ordered that, and I ordered A Test of Courage, which uh, came out the same day of Light of the Jedi. And it got it was like recommended to add to your cart was uh, was that book. I already forgot the name of it. Um, the Great Jedi Rescue. And I was like, oh, it's only $5, and I get a bunch of stickers? Why not? How did you get... How did you get a test of courage already? <laughs> I ordered that the beginning oh, no. of January. It it's, still has not arrived. They, the, <laughs> I ordered it from a, a local shop, uh, uh, Book Catapult in South Park, San Diego. Uh, shouts out to them. But uh, they, they immediately emailed me and were like, hey, by the way, just so you know, this book is super back ordered. Like, they were like, you can come pick up the kids book right now if you want. 
but they were like the other. The, they told me a test of courage won't get there until probably after um, uh, Into the Dark is released, and I was like, "That's ah, fine. Like, just tell me when it's there. I'll come get it." So, also announced uh, was a new graphic novel by Kevin Scott and Rachel Stott, uh, "The Monster of Temple Peak." So that is a direct uh, prelude towards The Rising Storm, which is a book um, also by Kevin Scott. And I believe it's the second book in the publishing initiative as far as timeline is concerned. It's coming out in June, and that will be, I believe, the quote-unquote, you know, there's lots of material you can get through comics and graphic novels, but I believe that's the, the sequel to Light of the Jedi, and also, speaking of Kevin Scott, uh, kind of I cut you off before, The Great Jedi Rescue is also written by Kevin Scott. Yeah, um, who's also writing the, the ongoing Marvel comic. Uh, this graphic novel makes me super excited. It, it looks like it's going to be starring Ty Yorick. Uh, we have spoken about Ty Yorick on this podcast before. Ty Yorick is a uh, pretty unique and interesting Jedi because Ty Yorick is... Not necessarily a member of the Jedi Order, but is actually a Jedi for hire. Uh, so I am very, very excited uh, to hear more about this character. And um, it, it feels like we we haven't gotten a, a Star Wars original graphic novel since Disney took over, I think. I don't think we've gotten a full graphic novel. There's been, don't get me wrong, plenty of comics, and I'm not complaining, but like a, you know chapter-based graphic novel i don't think we've gotten some and and i i think a lot of comics benefit from being released in trades and being able to read them all at once and i think having a graphic novel like this i don't know it just makes me really really excited also rachel stott's an incredible artist that's like an awesome awesome pull um it's gonna i'm i'm really really excited for this this graphic novel um and to find out more about ty york before she gets the spotlight again in uh the rising storm so we also have out of the shadows uh by justina ireland that's uh, about 350 pages it's a young adult um novel that's coming out in july uh she's great we're hoping to be able to get her on the show uh and we just might be able to this summer so stay tuned for that interview if we get it to happen it'll be amazing i'm sure uh, and there's also the Edge of Balance. So this is really cool. Uh, this is a manga. Uh, so they've done some great manga before. We've mentioned it on the show a couple times. This is going to be published by Viz Media, and Justine Ireland is also uh, writing this. I believe she's co-writing it um, with Shima Shinya, and then the penciler, a.k.a. the artist, is Mizuki uh, Saka Kibara. I don't know uh, exactly what this is about. There's not a lot of information that I was able to find on it. Uh, did you guys find anything, really? So she had announced this during the live stream event um, that was back on January 4th. And that's most of the information that I was able to the gleam from it is um, basically when they showed the, uh, the, the front page of the book, I got the, uh, the artist and, and she had mentioned that she was co-writing this as a true manga and as i recall there wasn't much else i'm super excited for this because like i've said like the manga adaptions uh, adaptations that they've come out with are some of the best um 
adaptations, like the the Lost Stars adaptation, is absolutely fantastic. It's a fantastic story to begin with, and the adaptation is um, equally on par with that. I, I I really love manga stories, and I'm I'm excited for this one. I uh, can't say I've ever read uh, manga, but if it's uh, th- this will be a reason for me to get into it because I'm trying to read like all the High Republic stuff that I can. Um, I do want to point out something with Out of uh, Out of the Shadows, the other Justine Ireland book coming out. Um, so that's going to star uh, Vernestra Rowe and uh, Reith Silas, but also stars Avon Staros. Does do, do you guys catch catch the significance of that name? Yeah, and we know that Sana is a part of a very like a, a very infamous um, crime family. So I'm very interested now to see. What if that is a connection or if it's just a coincidence? It'd be kind of a bummer if it's a coincidence. Um, but I would like to see if the uh, the Staros family is brought in, um, in the High Republic era. But uh, anyway, talking about the the manga, yeah, the, that is. Um, I think I, I think it's cool that they're they're bringing the High Republic to manga because it'll get people like me who don't usually check out manga into the 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 medium and the art form and maybe. They, Get new fans for the for for manga going forward. So I think that's good. Well, you should really start with uh, Lost Stars if you're not sure about it, because uh, as Jim said, and as we've mentioned on the show, him and I pr- both previously, uh, it's excellent. It's a really really great story, uh, and the artwork's fantastic. Uh, yeah. So we have one more thing here. This is a middle grade book, Race to uh, Crash Point Tower by Daniel Jose Older. So that is going to be out in June, at the end of June. The only thing I have to say about this book is that if you were to fast forward the live stream event to just when Daniel Jose Older is talking about this book, it would be, or at least the main one of the main characters in the book, it is the, the best part of that whole live stream event. There is a character in the book that he had based off of Someone, I I don't know if he was a paramedic or someone who was working as a paramedic who would go by the call sign Buckets of Blood. And he would, apparently this this real life person would announce when there was a accident or something, Buckets of Blood is on the way. And like um, Daniel Jose Older goes into this like real life character that he took that person and put him as this like Star Wars character called Buckets of Blood. And it's not like a like a, a bad guy buckets of blood. It's the paramedic putting the buckets of blood back into the body type person. And so that's like the main character of this book, or one of the characters in this book for at least. Grid. <laughs> it's it, it based on that. <laughs> I love that. That that is such a violent story for a middle grade novel. Parents get excited. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, those are the new announcements. So I, I think we've talked about it once before, but just to reiterate, there are three phases to the High Republic Publishing Initiative, and we're obviously in the first one. And this runs into 2022. So all the books and comics that have been announced that we've talked about on this episode and previous episodes are for phase one. We don't know anything that's coming out in phase two or three. We just know what they're called. Phase two is Quest of the Jedi and phase three is Trials of the Jedi. Uh, It sounds like this could be like a four to six year event, depending on how much content they have planned. Yeah, they had announced that phase one, which is Light of the Jedi, runs into 2022 but i they made pretty clear that it does not go 
through all of 2022. So you're looking at like at least a year and a half of this phase. And so you map that out. You're looking at four to six years for this entire series to get wrapped up, which is it's fantastic. And uh, there is one more thing. The Temple of Darkness tale from Oculus Tales from Galaxy's Edge uh, apparently took place during the High Republic. Jim, do you know anything about that? Yeah, so when you're playing Tales from Galaxy's Edge, they have the main storyline, which takes place during Galaxy's Edge uh, between the uh, eight and nine movies. But when you're there, you can also do an additional tale. And if anybody's seen the videos of Yoda, this is when Yoda comes in. You are basically transported back um, in time as in your in your head, really. You are inhabiting a Jedi uh, Padawan. And she is learning from Yoda about this Temple of Darkness. And you have to kind of go through the Temple of Darkness. And it's a really awesome tale. I, I really enjoyed it. But we found out that that specific tale takes place during the High Republic. And we actually may find out more. Like, really, the only thing you know about this um, Jedi from the game is what her arms look like and kind of how she sounds. But they've shown, like visualization of her since then and that we may find her specifically in other tales during the high republic so we can kind of pinpoint down more of when that story takes place like when i did it all you knew is that it took place sometime a long time ago uh, a couple hundred years um and yoda was there all right it's time for comics corner All right, so it's been a while since we got to do Comics Corner because um, things just kept coming up. So I'm excited to talk about comics today. There's been a lot of stuff released since we uh, last were able to do this segment. Uh, there's Bounty Hunters, the mainline Star Wars book, Dr. Aphra and Darth Vader. The four books we've all uh, been talking about have all had new issues. But uh, The High Republic by Kevin Scott guy is apparently doing a couple of things with star wars recently uh number one has also come out and then on top of that uh star wars adventures which is not related to the high republic uh smugglers run number one came out um which is an adaptation i believe for something that was a greg, greg rucka rucka yeah that greg rucka wrote um which was just amazing that's through idw i usually don't pick up the star wars adventures uh books but i guess i want to start with this one um because holy crap this was awesome yeah it was um now they do they do kind of uh they throw you a little bit of a curveball because on the cover they they attribute they attribute the book to greg ruka um and if you're a comic book reader you know that he is like a modern day legend uh he's written some of the best comics of all time um okay maybe of all times a little much but you get the point um and it it's based on the novel by greg ruka and it's adapted by alec warley um but aside from that it is surprisingly fantastic um i would this is one of the best star wars comics we've gotten in a long time and that's not to poo poo any of the other ones it's just that this is a outstanding comic, and the way uh, Alec Worley captures Han Solo's voice, it's impossible not to hear Harrison Ford when you're reading the dialogue. And same goes for uh, Princess Leia. Um, 
the the characters are so vividly brought to life and despite the fact that Star Wars Adventures is the it's it's supposed to be the children's comic line this is a dark story uh this and there this is not, not a children's comic no it's surprising how like there is a legit body count in this issue uh there's a lot of death and destruction and i like reading it i was like i'm so glad they released this i'm so glad this thing i'm loving it but why is this being released under star wars adventures this is not a kid's story um but it's fantastic I didn't know that that's how the the uh, imprint was marketed. Uh, the uh, To give a little bit of background on it, it was released in 2015, the book was, um, under the Journey to the Force Awakens banner. And a lot of the Journey to the Force Awakens stories didn't actually take place anywhere near the Force Awakens. But they kind of gave you little tidbits of things that were in the Force Awakens. And so this one takes place almost immediately following a new hope um like it like almost overlaps with the the metal ceremony pretty much yeah yeah and so that's a it's one of the the earliest stories in in that time frame and it's kind of a, a middle grade reader book um how you would define it and it's pretty short actually not even 200 pages and so i I enjoyed the book when it had first come out. It was a quick read. And then pulling up the comic is kind of one of those, like what you said, it's like, oh, this is also written by Greg Rucka because I, I knew the book. I have the book. It's in my hands right now. Um, and it's like, wait a second. This is not written by Greg Rucka. <laughs> well, I think we brought it up on the show where I was like, oh, my God, Greg Rucka's writing a Star Wars comic for IDW. That's yeah. crazy. And you were like, um... No, they're adapting a book he wrote and putting his name on the comic to get people like me interested in it. So, um, but it worked. To, it absolutely worked, and I'm so glad that I read it because it's it's fantastic. And it's it's going to be a two parter, right? Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. first part is like it's like 80 pages. It's a thick one. It's it's 38 pages. Um, I was off by a bit. It's, <laughs> it's 46. Um, if you are counting the Vader's Castle mini story that they always stick in the back of these, which is great, too. Uh, let me see who did that. Mine I want to give them credit as well. Story. I didn't uh, get a mini story. Yeah, I didn't get a mini story in mine. It might be um, digital only. I got this through Comixology, but... Oh, well, look who it is. Kevin Scott. <laughs> Kevin oh, Scott. Kevin um, Scott does all of the Vader's Castle stories. Uh, artist Derek uh, Charm. And Chris uh, Finoglio, and let's see, yeah. Uh, so that's about like three or four pages long. But this is, you know, uh, 38 pages. It's a lot. Uh, but for me, the best thing about this, uh, Ingo Romling, his uh, artwork is just amazing. I love it. I want to see a lot more art from uh this person in star wars i there were so many panels where i just kind of sat there uh for a few minutes and enjoyed it it was so good it's it's that that perfect line that you want to flirt when it comes to doing um uh adaptive art like this where you don't want to just completely try to be photorealistic and completely um you know mimic what you've seen on screen but you also don't want to put your own style on it so much that it's unrecognizable. And th- his art is so perfectly 
like right in the middle ground there where like you know it's very recognizably Han and Leia and Chewbacca and the Falcon and everything but it's also it, it's it's a distinct style that is very much his um and I really enjoy that and plus the action sequences are action sequences in comics I think can be really hit or miss um because sometimes they can be too frenetic and, and too chaotic but his are really good and really easy and really fluid and easy to follow um yeah it's just it's a writing and art together are both fantastic I, I don't want to um speak for his influences or anything like that but for me it it has a very like japanese manga feel to it uh his style and i i loved it it's something that i don't think i've seen in a star wars comic before i believe he's uh works out of he's, he's german uh i believe and yeah i just so many sequences when they were coming down over um Sirak or Syrok, whatever the the planet is, and you see the dome over the polluted city. It was just gorgeous. His layout style and the kind of the the way he does his artwork reminds me a lot of the the late nineties Dark Horse Star Wars comics. Like it, it, like you could, I love those, so I'm not like dissing on it. But it, like that's kind of the way it it reminds me of is the it doesn't look like. Um, a lot of the comics where the characters are kind of crossing over between the panels, this is very well laid out, um, easy to follow um, sort of design style. Yeah, I, I really just can't say enough good things about this comic book. Um, it was a delight to read. I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't picked this up, you will not regret it. All right. Uh, moving back to the comics that uh, we usually talk about week to week. New episode, new issue of Vader, and we're gonna talk spoilers, guys. Heads up, man. Greg Pak, dude, just keeps on getting better. Every issue, I love every issue. It's just like a love letter to the prequels, and it's so good. This, I mean, the the Jedi Starfighter, the um, the hyperspace ring, the flashbacks to getting his, uh, you know, suit put on for the first time and seeing him in, um, his like chamber with the Imperial guards and like the sequences of the back of his head. Just, yeah, that's just so good. I'd say that this issue of our group of comics here, this issue is my favorite. I um, hard back that. Agreed, I I, agreed. I really enjoyed it, and I'm really surprised that Ochi actually, um, when they took the helmet off of Ochi, it was Jar Jar. I, I was not, <laughs> I was not picked. I did not know. I knew I was, the second your tone of voice started, uh, I was like, "Here comes some nonsense." <laughs> We're catching on to him. <laughs> uh, no, but it, seriously, it was a it was a really great issue. I loved the the storyline and where they're headed. I didn't expect them, even with. Like like we said, spoilers. Even with Vader finding the Wayfinder, they said Exegol. They said, and that's seems like that's where we are headed towards. I don't know if we'll get there, but we're in that general direction. Um, and I I was not expecting even that much of the story to progress in that way. Oh yeah, yeah. the Wayfinder, and uh, you know this huge <laughs> Easter egg from Rise of Skywalker. I honestly totally forgot about that just because of all the cool callbacks. I love the way, and it's not just this issue; it's this series as a whole. With this arc and the arc before it, has been tying together all three eras of Star Wars. You have, as JJ pointed out, these these moments from the prequel trilogy coming back. Obviously the book takes place during the original trilogy, but then there's so much that is tying into what eventually happens in the sequel trilogy. Um, 
And I just, I love it so much. This episode is a little, or sorry, not episode. This issue is a little bit lighter on, um, like, plot revelations or character revelations. But it is still really exciting. And it's got some great action sequences. Rafael Ianco, the artist, is just killing it. He's been killing it since issue one. And the the panels here and the, the, the way the action sequences are laid out are awesome. It's really awesome to see Darth Vader just, like, hack and slash his way through droids um but what, what's most interesting is 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 the fact that we're getting just like more of this mystery of what palpatine's grander plan was we're starting to see more of that and we're starting to see how vader uncovers this plan how the him uncovering this plan is going to eventually lead to him turning on palpatine um and i just what greg pock and rafael yanko are doing here is just I think it's so much grander than what people are giving it credit for. I think he they really are tying so many things together in such an incredible way. It's, uh, this is – I've said it before, but this isn't just like my favorite Star Wars comic right now. Darth Vader is my favorite comic book on just being released, period, right now. I think it's – I can't say enough about how wonderful this series has been and what it's doing for the greater Star Wars canon. Yeah, it's it's – my favorite star wars comic out right now uh, i just think uh everywhere you can be graded this is pretty much uh as high as you can get in the, in the scores for you know art story um you know the lettering's fantastic the colors are amazing just everything about this is is super well done um so afra is probably my second favorite comic uh of the bunch and we finally, finally, finally are seeing Sanastaros and Dr. Afra reunited. Uh, we mentioned it briefly on the show before, but there's an audiobook, just self-titled Dr. Afra, um, which is great. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. But it basically tells you about how uh, Sanastaros and Dr. Afra uh, have a lot of history, a romantic history. We won't go too into that. Uh, we don't want to spoil it for you. Um, but yeah, they're reunited. There's also a new, uh, artist on this one. So they've jumped around with art a couple of times now. Um, Mick Yu Jung is, uh, the penciler on this book. It's at least one artist. Remember last issue, there were three different artists across 22 pages. Yeah. Uh, something, something like that. It, which, yeah. They're jumping I, around. I'm not sure what's going on with the art department. I mean, the art in the issue was great. I'm just oh, not sure it. why they're changing loved it up it. so much. Um, this issue was incredibly enjoyable uh Alyssa wong has been on an absolute hot streak since she launched this title um also we had her on the show if you haven't listened to that episode please go back and listen to it Alyssa is a delight of a human um but yeah the the back and forth between sauna and afra here was just so good in 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 so many laugh out loud moments um and afra's one-liners and the way she sort of tricks sauna into Getting a meeting with Lady Proxima was great. Uh, speaking donuts. of donuts, are the key to yeah. any problem. Apparently, <laughs> bringing <laughs> bringing Lady Proxima in was awesome. Um, just really, really, really enjoyable. And just this this issue was like we had the first arc was classic archaeologist Doctor Afra, and what we see in this issue is more. It's almost like. Alyssa Wong flexing that like, hey, I know how to write 
her personality because this issue Afra's personality shines the most it shined since this this second volume started and I loved it uh it was just every moment was just just perfect Dr. Afra-ness why would I help you because you still love me smirk yeah (laughs) it was it's just so good Jim, Jim, do you have anything you want to add? <laughs> yeah, I think like I really like the story of this one. My only issues with this issue, if my only issues with this issue, um, are I feel like the art was inconsistent through it. Like sometimes Afro would be drawn absolutely great, and then it was almost like a pencil line cartoon sketch of her, in in some of the panels, and it would bounce back and forth, and it was really weird. Um, there was. There was one moment where I double checked. I'm like, is there a different? Are there two different artists? So I, I actually I know what you're talking about. And I'd say that was my my biggest issue is like clearly like they were trying to rush parts of this comic through with the art style, but then other times it was great. And so I'm yeah not quite sure what was going on with that, but the the storyline itself was absolutely fantastic. I love that they had the the solo callback and having Lady Proxima there. Um, so speaking of that. Is Lady Proxima wearing a bomb that Afra controls at this point? I probably yeah, actually, because yeah. I'm like, oh, is that gonna come up later? Like down the ro- down the road, is she gonna be like, I need something for you? By the way, that's a bomb on your arm. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, she's she's for sure. And oh my, when when she she throws more of the bracelets out, and San is like, how many of those do you have? She's like, what? Proxima has a lot of arms. Yeah, it was. Yeah, there's just so many little nuggets uh, that Alyssa Wong has been like planting for future stories. I love how she's doing it. I love the callbacks uh, to different uh, Afra characters that other creators have worked on and different uh, characters from like Solo, you know, one of my favorite Star Wars films. So, yeah, Alyssa Wong, just keep doing what you're doing because it's fantastic. Uh, very curious to see what happens with the art and if they land on a new, um, I don't want to say lead penciler, I guess just like regular for like another run or something because they're, they're jumping all over the place with the art. But yeah, other than that, this has been uh, one of the best comics that they're putting out. Uh, so we got two left, actually three, uh, High Republic number one, Star Wars and Bounty Hunters. Uh, I don't really have much to say about um, Bounty Hunters. It wasn't a, a bad issue. I, I enjoyed uh, the fight scene in the bar, but it just felt like very kind of filler. It's a setup issue, for yeah. sure. It's an yeah. enjoyable setup issue. Yeah, yeah. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. It was good. Uh, but it's just like like you just said, Connor. It's a setup issue. Not much to talk about. I'd say it's probably actually my favorite issue of Bounty Hunters to date. And it had a great callback to the Han Solo Imperial Cadet comic series where they kind of recreated a lot of the panels from there, kind of giving more of Valence's backstory, which they haven't done. And that comic came out a while ago, and probably people weren't aware that Valence is Valence. Like, the two characters are the same person. Um, And so, Yeah, I know. I'm the one who told you that. Uh, Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say, you had to explain it to me, I'm pretty sure, on this podcast. Yeah, so that's... uh, I think the art was great. I found the flow really well and the story really well done. So like I said, this is just getting better and better for me. Um, And I'm actually interested to see where they go from here. Oh, they got Tasu Leash in there too. That's the one thing we forgot to mention, The Force Awakens. Yeah, 
we initially had this book on on the agenda to talk about a couple weeks ago, and I I remember I I messaged both of you on Discord, and I was like, did you guys catch the Force Awakens reference? Um, Tasu Leech, Conjure Ta- Club, Tasu Leech. Good to Good see to you. Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Star Wars. Ah, the war, the star, the war, the Star Wars. So Lobots kind of maybe getting his mind back. Um, this ancient droid they've reawakened is maybe helping Lobot. Maybe he's going to make his head explode. We're not really sure yet. Uh, we got, it looks like Viper droids pulling the heads off of Astromechs, uh, in X-Wings. Um, but something I don't understand here, I hate to nitpick, but I just can't help it. The A-Wings don't house Astromech droids like X-Wings do. So I don't see why they would lose their navigational data for flying back to the fleet. Very Anybody else point. pick up on that? Very good point. Um, I have a lot of things I can nitpick with this issue, if I'm being honest. Um, I let's, let's focus on the positive. Yeah, I, I'll, let me let me focus on my positives are also negatives. So um, <laughs> okay, yeah, let that sit sit in your brains for a second. What I mean That's is it's called a backhanded compliment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I like the fact that. Speaking of um, Starlight Squadron, awesome name, by the way. They even even in the book, they're like, Starlight Squadron, that's a good name. It's like Charles Sewell patting himself on the back. Um, <laughs> but he should. It's a great, it's a, it's a sweet name. I think it's really cool that Starlight Squadron is made up of character, with the exception of two of the pilots, is made up entirely of characters we already know. Um, Poe's mom is the leader. Um, Shara. She has right? a name. Sh- Shara, right? Sh- Shara Bay, yeah. Yeah, Shara Bay. Shara Bay. Um, then you have Lulo, who is um, in in Poe Dameron's comic, and he ends up being one of Poe Dameron's uh, squad mates as well. Black you Squadron, have, yep. Yeah, Lulo, yeah, he's actually, I'm, I am in the middle of Poe Dameron Freefall. Lulo's in that, too. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then you have Wedge Antilles, which is great. And then you have... Mart Matten, who I'm assuming is supposed yes. to be Matt Martin. But he um, is from Rebels. Oh, I didn't catch that. He is the little kid um in the that they found in Rebels. Oh, I had no idea. Um, but anyway, so it's cool to have those characters, and it's cool to have recognizable characters like that. The only thing is it kind of reduces any sort of tension in the situation they're in because you're like, well, they're all gonna live. <laughs> like no maybe like mart might die and the other uh uh the other pilot who i'm forgetting her name could but other than that it's like oh well i i know they're gonna make it out of this um and obviously the same could be said for the main characters but it would be nice for the 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 auxiliary characters here to have more stakes is all um and so i I enjoy the fact that it's characters I recognize, but because it's characters I recognize and who I know their stories, it's like, yeah, I know I know Wedge and Tilly's isn't going to die here. I know Lulo's not going to die here. So it kind yeah. of removes the stakes. The other two uh, pilots were Yvonne Verlaine, and she's from the Princess Leia comic, and I, she's popped up ev- elsewhere. Oh, is she the one who, who flies Princess Leia around on her like little secret okay. yeah. comic, by the way? And then Freda Smith, who I have no idea. I don't rem- remember seeing her at all. AKA Red Shirt Pilot number one. Uh, and two and three, yeah. Yeah. Star Trek references in a Star Wars podcast. All um, right. Other than, other than that, uh, you know, it, 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 the, 
the main the mainline Star Wars comic I'm enjoying, but I will say I I do think it is the weaker, surprisingly, it's of been the a line right slow. now. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's taken a while to get get where it's going. Um, but you know, I I'm excited for the next issue, which seems like a showdown with the Tarkin's Will, which is a, also a great name for a ship. Charles Sewell's good with names. Um. All right, last comic to go. Light of the Jedi, issue number one. You'll never guess. Kevin Scott. Um, so no, the this... High Republic, issue number one, not Light of the Jedi. I'm sorry. Yes, the High Republic, number one. I got Light of the Jedi on the mind. Um, yeah, so this is the first issue in the new High Republic series. Um, we see a couple of characters, a number of characters from the book. Uh, so... I should start with the creative team. I mentioned Kevin Scott, uh, but we also have uh, Ario and Indito for art. Mark Morales is our inker. Uh, Annalisa Leone is our colorist. VC's Ariana Mar is the letterer, and Phil Noto doing his thing on covers. Uh, so we get a look at quite a few really cool characters here. Um, we see a Jedi Knight being knighted. We see a Grand Master of the Jedi Order that is Yoda and someone else who isn't. So previously, the only two that we've ever seen in canon, I believe, are Yoda and Mace Windu. Um, but there's a new one that's introduced here for the first time, which is really cool. We see a Trandoshan Jedi Master, um, the Jedi Vectors, which if you're reading Light of the Jedi, you've read about them, but you actually see what they look like here. Uh, and we're seeing a new, uh, as I said, a Padawan becoming a knight using a double-bladed green lightsaber, which just looks super cool. That she can she can detach into two single blades and put on her and holster on her chest. It's very cool. So I, we should point out that this comic takes place during the pretty much the end of the Light of the Jedi book, and it does spoil some things. They're minor spoilers. They're they're light. Uh, they're they're character things happen to characters in the book that are not the main characters, but they are mentioned in the book that appear here or are mentioned in this comic. And if you don't want any spoilers going into the the book, you should not read the comic first until you finish the book. Speaking of Jim, did you because I know you finished the book? Um, so I will say this without spoiling it for JJ. Did you like how they referred to what happened to Skier as? an accident she was like you need to recover from your accident i'm like what it wasn't an accident it was a battle <laughs> like that's really that's putting it lightly <laughs> well it's a it that's yeah that's w one of the things and like it's blatantly obvious that skier is missing an arm like they put all over the place that they posted pictures of him he is always missing an arm and we find out how that happens in the book. Um, but yeah, it's uh, not an accident. <laughs> oh, and um, we should mention his Padawan by name, uh, Keeve uh, Trennis. She is super cool and no longer a Padawan. She's a Jedi Knight. And uh, she yeah. she is the star of this book. Like, she is it. Like, the story is about her. She rules. I feel seen. Finally, a Jedi who can't control their swearing. I love it. I, I laughed every time she swears, and every time Skier is like, you gotta stop swearing. Uh, I, I, I honestly think that is so funny and so 
fresh is this Jedi who can't stop swearing in front of people. I feel that. I, I, I relate to that to my core. I just want to see her make it to live action so we can see a Jedi in live action with a dual-bladed lightsaber messing people up. Yeah, so so for the first issue, there's a lot of stuff going on here, uh, but it doesn't feel like it's it's got too much going on, um, and the pacing is great. Uh, all, all the characters are interesting. The artwork's good. There's tons of little things that have hooked me that I want to know a lot more about. So I would say for a uh, first issue for a new initiative, um, you know, I, I think the expectations, excuse me, uh, were pretty high here and I think they met them. Yeah. It, it, it simultaneously feels self-contained yet that it's also setting up something, something moving forward. Um, so I really liked it. It's, it's a very, very good start overall. The high Republic's off to a really, really good start. I've enjoyed everything I've read so far of it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes and get more of that Keeve Trennis in my life. All right. We got through a lot of stuff today. I think like six comic books, a slew of announcements, a bunch of news pieces. Uh, so we hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Uh, be kind to each other. Be nice, please. Yeah. Uh, if there's anything you take away from the show today, just be nice to each other. Um, if you enjoyed the show and you want to support us, uh, you can do th- so through Patreon. So uh, patreon.com slash AIPTcomics, or you can go to AIPTcomics.com and find out more information there. Uh, we have a Star Wars book club that you can get access to for $2. We also have a great Discord community for the same $2 that you can come hang out with us and other Star Wars fans and uh, talk about the franchise, including the-, the High Republic. Uh, speaking of the book club, we'll be, uh, we'll be centered on uh, The Light of the Jedi, uh, so please come talk to us about that. We have uh, a lot of thoughts on it. Uh, I believe JJ is finishing up the book right now. Yeah, well, next week's episode, we will be breaking down and reviewing uh, The Light of the Jedi. So mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't read it yet, you might not want to listen to that episode since we're going to be talking about it in depth. Uh, if you have read it, uh, yeah, this is your episode. It's going to be great. Uh, so you can find us on Twitter, as I said at the start of the show, brand new handle at Talking Tauntauns. You can email us if you'd like to throw some feedback or get on the show. Uh, Talking Tauntauns at AIPTcomics.com. That's going to do it, guys. Thanks for hanging out today. We're going to get out of here, and we'll see you next time. Bye, you guys.